Hello, Looney listeners. You're listening to episode 14 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of your cage fighters, Ray. I'm your other uh, man-turned-beast-in-a-cage, Connor. And this week, we have... Oh, just oh so much news for your delight. We have the final issue of Jeff Lemire's uh, Moon Knight, issue 14 before the all-new run starts, and we take back to a classic run with issue 20 of the Benson run. So sit back, grab our issues, and get your conchu on. Connor, Connor, Connor. We are back, episode 14, and in a sharp contrast to last episode, we have got a mountain of news to get through. How are you, first of all? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's the end of exam uh, season, um, so I am very tired, but I'm just about <laughs> done. So next week will be all good. Actually, Wednesday, the big new comic book day, I'll be finished with exam. So it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. So, That's yeah, I mean... You've been pretty busy yourself, I hear. Yeah, yeah, I um, I've, I've let it. Uh, it's no secret. I, I tell everyone. Um, even I, yeah, we um, we did a big move. So, uh, finally got all our stuff um, in the new place. It took about eight and a half hours for the movers to um, to to bring it all in. Uh, it all culminated in our um three meter long couch being winched up through the balcony so uh that was a uh, quite an experience but we're, we're all unpacked we're i'd say we're 100 percent done um all the boxes are, have, have been unpacked and everything's in its place um last night we had a we had a housewarming as well which was like a double for uh, a housewarming and a kind of like belated birthday for eve so uh yeah it's been all systems go um and today has been I guess the first day in the last couple of weeks where we've been able to kind of sit back a bit and um, just start enjoying the new place but more importantly uh, haven't missed a beat with Into the Night so excited to get into episode 14 which is a a seminal episode as well isn't it Connor because it's the last issue for Lemire's fantastic run. Yeah we've kind of had our own little thing going with the sort of the way we've done our modern reviews and our classic reviews, but that all changes as we don't have a mm. new review every week, but we'll be mixing up. We've got figure reviews, we've got yes. animation reviews, we've got everything coming up, so uh, don't you be a mess as we're, we're crying for the end of Lemire's run as the Bemis run starts next week. Yeah, it's um, definitely heading towards well, Uncharted. Week, actually. Well, yeah, it, it is technically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this Wednesday, this Wednesday, right? My gosh, it's so close. It's uh, it's crazy close. But um, we are heading towards uncharted territory, and uh, our security blanket, which was the Lemire run, is coming to an end. But uh, looking forward to all the um, all the uh, reviews that we have up here, especially one of the first things. Um, I guess, Connor, which ties into our first bit of news, um, we'll speak later on, would be the, the Funko Pops, which um, I've seen on our Facebook group. A lot of the loonies have uh, got their hands on a little Funko Pop already, so that's pretty good to see. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I think just about every retailer who can get them is getting them. I know my store's got them coming in. You've mm. bought yours online, yeah? 
Yeah, it's been surprisingly easy, considering they were saying it's an LA Comic Con exclusive, the Glow in the Dark one. Um, uh, one uh, one loony posted up uh, uh, Pop Culture, which is, um, oh, again, whoops, is, is one of the news items coming up, but um, <laughs> he, just, he just mentioned uh, how you can just order it online. I think they're based in Victoria, Australia, uh, and you can just order it, and I've already got confirmation that it's going to be delivered, I think, tomorrow, so I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm not quite sure when mine will be coming in for doing a joint review on the pod, but yeah, I ordered mm. a glow in the dark, um, adjusting his tie with the, the, the sleeves up and the classic sort of sleeves down, nice walk. There's mm. two variations you'll find, but yeah. Uh, they're great. They're the regular price of Funkos, I think. Yep. Uh, mm. I think, well, Aussie dollar, they come out to be about $18, $19, mm. which I think is, uh, I think it's regular. Um, but how crazy is this? Like, we've been, for, well, I think for a while now, we've been wondering about, you know, whether there'd be a Moon Knight Funko Pop. There isn't one, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, we're finally here with not only one, but we've got one, uh, special edition one. Well, two, actually, because as we mentioned before, there are two versions of the Glow in the Dark, so you can either get the blue or the green one, and I think you, you can't tell until you, you, you know, bring it into a, um, a dimly lit or a dark room. <laughs> There's a fair amount of glow too. Like I have a um, like a black suit Spider-Man glow in the dark, and it's nowhere near as bright as the Moon Knight one. Uh, have you got a Funko Pop um, Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a awesome. and, uh, Spider Gwen and two Batman. Oh Batmans. wow! Yeah, I'm a, I'm a. I mean, I wouldn't say aficionado, but I sure do have four. Yeah. Mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if any uh, character has to glow in the dark, it's got to be it's got to be Mister Knight or Moon Knight. So it's good to hear that he's um you know he's shining a light in the darkness. Um, but uh, just going back a bit before, yeah, we, we've got like tour reviews. We can um, we can cover uh, Connor and I. We've been talking about wanting to review the um, Ultimate Spider-Man animated episode with Moon Knight in there. Um, there's also games, Connor, as well. Um, uh, Contest of Champions and uh, also a couple of other Marvel uh, future fight, I think, with with Moon Knight in there. So uh, there's plenty to cover, uh, and we'll still do our. Um, uh, we're still pretty keen on doing um, some guests, having some guest narrators. Who um, we have one this evening as well, which is uh, is fantastic. But uh, there's been a lot of interest, Connor, in in people wanting to do it. So uh, that's got to be a good sign. Yeah, we're hot off the press with a with a biggest Moon Knight podcast it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I uh, was looking, looking so excited. Um, well, look, I'm not only looking excited. <laughs> I, I am <laughs> excited for it. But um, also as well, kind of, we were just chatting just quickly before we, um, we went on air. Uh, you finally caught up with a bit of a Thor Ragnarok earlier today. Yeah, I saw it about uh, midday today. It was a uh, pack cinema even then on a, on a, uh, 12 o'clock Sunday, but it was a fantastic movie. I think it's top three for mine, being first being Homecoming, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and then Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. I loved it. I love the characters, the the acting, the comedy always yeah. struck with me. It was great. That, those are pretty pretty good top three films, I reckon, and um, it's a good sign when you you know when you think of your top three that you kind of have to color couple because those three are pretty good um for me i I'd, I'd put civil war and i do 
I do love the Ant-Man film <laughs> in, in a different way, so I'd have to put that up there somewhere. But it's uh, it's a great sign from Marvel. Uh, and were there a lot of um, belly laughs in the cinema with a full cinema? Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> mm, it's that's always the best. Going off. Oh yeah, it's the best sort of uh, film, uh, a best sort of experience for that film, I reckon. Uh, that type of film that um, goes for a lot of laughs, and and you've got to be in a packed cinema for it to get the full effect. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. Uh, let's not dwell on it. There are plenty of other great podcasts out there that will cover and review Thor Ragnarok. Um, but let's get into the news, Connor. So the first uh, bit of news that we got, which I think, again, literally came, I think, the day after we released episode 13, uh, was uh, Marvel Moon Knight Funko. Uh, and one of our loonies uh, posted it up uh, saying that Pop Culture, uh, which you can check out, popculture.com.au, uh, they were saying that you know um, we have we have them in stock. Um, basically, there were there were no caveats to it. You you could actually just order it. There was nothing about you know one per customer or or you know um, we only have a limited number. It seemed pretty much um, business as usual. Uh, and uh, yeah, for for Aussies um, and and for those of you overseas who may find it hard to to get a hold of uh i definitely recommend you try out pop culture so um yeah like connor said i um i've ordered uh, glow in the dark and a standard one from there um so it's um and it's already on its way i think it's coming tomorrow so that's really good news um for aussie fans aussie loony fans but um again yeah if you're maybe uh in non-us uh, and and it's a bit harder to come by give give this website a go i'm pretty sure they do international shipping yeah it's uh it's fantastic and i think it's great we got our um moon knight legend figures coming in soon as well they're still available as well i yes um i sadly can't imagine them being on the shelves for like months into the future so i think if you are undecided or haven't jumped on board if you are ordering your pop funkos if you got that cheddar there, you uh, get your get your legends figures in. Yeah, that's true because the legend ones, uh, legend figures are. I mean, they're becoming harder and harder to find, and and in some ways they're they're harder to find than these Funko Pops, which I thought would be hard to find. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, pop culture they haven't disappointed me yet, um, so I will be using them again. And uh, a, a short thing as well for anyone who orders over a hundred dollars um, within Australia, you get free shipping. So if you've got a few mates, um, why not just pull it all together and um, yeah, um, save yourself some money uh, with free shipping. So that was the first bit of news, kind of. What was that? I think the second one was something that you posted on. Yes, uh, it's it's crazy. So next week is Moon Knight 188. You know, we saw this podcast 15 weeks ago, and honestly, it seemed like that it, this issue was coming two years away, like our next bit of Moon Knight, and now <laughs> it's just next week. It's properly surreal. So yeah. I think, oh look, um, I don't know quite the day, but we got a full lettered preview. Actually, not one, but two lettered previews this week of separate pages. Um, uh, the one, uh, we'll link below is one from Buzz Comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I think if you're going to, uh, do a preview, I'd, uh, click on that one. There's another one by, um, adventuresinpoortaste.com, which I feel not like super spoilery, but at the same time, that's like six pages of your issue you're getting in previews. You're, you know, we're so close, like three days out from the book. You, you should, I, I'm feeling just waited off. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm the same. I think a couple of the loonies had mentioned something like that as well. Uh, it was so close, and uh, yeah, I mean, six pages out of what, 22, 23? Um, I'd be happy to, to read one or two, but it is exciting to know that it's out there. Oh, yeah, and it just, it just, this whole week has just been, you know, new people tweeting about it. We've had two new previews, I think. Yeah, we've, we've got a couple of articles coming up in this, uh, this new segment as well. This week has just been every day just a new source of hype for this issue this Wednesday. It's absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, Ray, did you want to go through the, the preview or should we leave it for loonies to click at their own discretion before Wednesday? Um, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's just leave it for the, the loonies to have a look. But, um, just overall impressions. Um, I just want to say that, uh, I'm looking at it now and, uh, I'm loving the art by Jason Burroughs. Oh, isn't it absolutely uh, fantastic? It's really weird because um, we've seen some of the preview art right of his, and and it's really cool. Sometimes it's quite stylized and simple, um, whereas other times uh, he does get into the details. Um, um, but I love these close-ups of the faces and of of uh, Doctor Emmett um, and the patient um, who what was he called again? He had a number, wasn't he? Um, anyway, uh, eighty-six. Eighty-six. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, the art, the art was really good. Um, a- anything to take away from this, Connor, as well, um, uh, from your perspective? Um, just generally, the news we've gotten this week. This issue is going to be like no other Moon Knight issue before. It is absolutely mental. Mm. Um, I just, it's just going to set up this new run in a crazy new way. Uh, yeah. before the next issue. 189 later this month will actually be the one that even introduces Moon Knight to us in this run. This is just sort of a crazy off-the-wall issue of this just batshit insane world that Bemis and Burrows are setting up, and it looks fantastic. Actually, it does look good. And uh, just sort of a little tidbit from the other preview, a previous unleaded preview is shown to be unlettered. There's actually a previous preview page we've got and has been shown with its lettering, so... Ah, okay. Make of that what you will. Yeah, right, yeah. I wonder which one... Oh, I, haven't, I haven't checked it, so I'm trying to keep myself... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, any, any kind of spoiler-free, except for, like, you know, I'm just looking at this this page, um, which was on the Buzz Comics um, one, which is is pretty cool. The other thing I noticed as well, um, again, not, not going to get too much into it, but um, with Jason... Oh, not Jason. Max Bemis's writing... It kind of it it really reminded me of Full Killer. I'm interested to, to know as well, Connor, if if he did the same with uh, the worst X Men, which you'd you'd read. Um, he's uh, you know he's not he's not short on words. Let's just say that. But he's not he's not overly heavy. But there's a really there's a nice you know um, meaty chunk of text in these panels. So it's um uh, I'm looking forward to to reading the whole issue. But um, yeah, what, what do you think? You think t- too many words or um, Ooh. No, no, this is really uh, good writing, and I think it's, this issue being so particular, I'm not, like, not sure how wordy this will be, will be so representative of what we'll get later with mm. Moon Knight, I think this is very particular, but um, I love the writing for the characters, I, the patient 86, who will be mm-hmm. our big focus of this issue, is absolutely fascinating, terrifying, and just a weird look into a psyche that Bemis just absolutely nails. Mm. Yeah, there's a... I think later on in one of the articles he mentions uh, there is a a horror and a scare element to it which um, he hopes to instill 
in in this whole Moon Knight uh, tone, the tone of the book. Um, so yeah, I can't can't wait to um to see what that is. I I know that just going back to the the text, um, just because I don't know the the other writers that we have um, come across as well, kind of like um, to me immediately like Charles Saul um, from from Daredevil, uh, especially with the in particular the courtroom issue. Um, some writers tend to really do. They, some writers describe a lot in in their text, you know, and and sometimes it doesn't uh, give much for the artist to to do. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> Sorry, going around in circles. Sometimes they um, sometimes they put. There is a danger of putting too much text in, and it doesn't give uh, enough space for the the artist to breathe. Um, but there is also a fine line. You obviously you don't want to you don't want the the artwork to to say everything, right? You've got to actually put a bit of meat to the bones as well. Um, and with uh, Bemis's um, writing from Full Killer and from what I see in Moon Knight, um, there is a there is a nice chunky bit of um, of, of text there. But um, yeah, but looking art wise as well, um, there's a lot. Like he gives he gives. Um, Burrows uh, scope to do, you know, three-quarter big uh, panels and, uh, you know, close-ups. So I don't think it's compromising at all to the artwork. No, not at all. Yeah, there's a... I think I think the most important draw is that, you know, managing text and exposition is always hard, but Bemis's particular writing in this instance, in this context, you know, Every word here is purpose. You know, you're looking at a, a a larger text bubble, but reading it, you never feel like you're not so much bored, but you know, being over-explained or you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um like actual psychology and that sort of jargon and language used here, and you know, having that in there obviously lengthens the text bubbles, but the way that written is in itself like brilliant and just feels so natural, especially I'm, I'm guessing with the character work. And as you said, you know, there's still panels here, awesome panels of like shots of just the eyes that still give, you know, way to two short text bubbles. And yeah, no, it's, uh, I think, I think it's very well done and, um, yeah, quite, quite interested to see. And, and obviously the, the subject of it being a lot of a mental illness. So there is a lot of explaining to do as well. You know, you, you can't, let the uh, the images speak for themselves um, because you know one you're looking at Dr Emmett who's um, like a, a psychologist right or a, um, a doctor studying this mental patient so um, yeah there's going to have to be an exchange but um, yeah no it, it's uh, it's all it's all quite exciting um, yeah um, would uh, any final words before we move on to our next piece? Obviously, we no. don't want to go too in depth. No, for no, yeah, full panel by panel next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and like uh, as as Connor said, um, we'll leave it to the loony listeners. You can read it at at your leisure, um, but it is definitely worth looking at the the previews. Um, and whether you're not you, you read you know the six pages or, or just the one or, or two. Um, yeah, it's up to you. So. Um, Next up, we have... Oh, this was put in... I actually didn't really check out too much um, this article, kind of. It was Marvel characters that may have surprise cameos in Avengers in, uh, Infinity War. Um, did you did you give this a read? No, I didn't actually see this one in the uh, group this week, sadly. Mm. 
Okay, it was, I mean, it was good to put in there. Very thankful that the loony posted it up. I think it was Tommy um, that posted it in there. Uh, just, I don't know, like, with Avengers Infinity War, I think that's it's going to be a really grand, grand film, and there's, like, what, 60-odd cast members or whatever. <laughs> um, and if there's special cameos here and there, oh, look... I, I really couldn't be too fussed if um, if you see Moon Knight. It'll be good to see, um, you know, maybe a, a hint or a nod towards Moon Knight, but I really don't mind. I mean, there's there are too many other characters there to to be invested in to to worry about surprise cameos. Um, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. Um, I don't really. This is such a massive scale, and what we know of the Infinity War, it it almost wouldn't make sense for Moon Knight to be be mm. there, like. This unestablished yeah. character makes his debut by, I don't know, throwing a crescent dart to someone at someone on screen just doesn't really seem to fit with an, uh, in. And I suppose I wouldn't want that sort of... I mean, obviously we want Moon Knight in, but I prefer his own opening into the world, whether it be in his own arc in a Netflix show yeah. or his own Netflix show, you know, the more than just sort of being tied to a cameo in the MCU and having his sort of fate stuck there if anything would change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see... We, we've always talked about it. I, I wouldn't mind a little nod that doesn't reveal too much, but only to the fans. Uh, like, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Jake Lockley, you know, drive someone in a cab or something like that, maybe. Or or there'd be a building with, you know, Grant... Um, Grant Industries or something like that. Uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily... Um, they don't delve into more, but it's just there, you know? Um, I think that would be pretty cool. I, I think um, it was a while ago, Connor, we mentioned... Uh, I thought I saw um, I saw in the Doctor Strange film, I saw one of the buildings say Spectacle, but I, I, I think I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind something like that. I mean, just like one or two seconds, if anything. But yeah, you're right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to try and kind of shoehorn... Moon Knight in there with a crescent dart. I mean, because people, first time viewers, you know, or non comic book fans will just be going, "What the hell was that? Was that someone else? Are we are we supposed to know that person?" You know. So it was, uh, yeah, I yeah, I can't wait for Infinity War, but um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't really care if Moon Knight isn't in it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sort of takes us on to. Bit of an interesting topic, one that um, I suppose might even put a pin in that, possibly, yeah. that yes. uh, Marvel will no longer be able to sell licenses to companies not owned by Disney. <laughs> yeah. What do, what do you take from this? It's so... Um, just to recap the article, there's nothing. There's basically that title and sort of a statement that says that title, but Disney's given no specific as to what this means for the Netflix shows... Um, mm. I know some of the shows are continuing, obviously, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff that's already going ahead, like the second seasons of the Netflix and the new war, uh, new Warriors show coming out on Freeform, Cloak and Dagger Runaway. They still are all there, but there's nothing yeah. that shows whether we can even have new characters in the Netflix universe now. Well, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where this, yeah, came from, um... I tend to, I was reading, um, there was a thread on it as well, um, from the Defenders TV podcast. So, um, we had, uh, last week we had Derek, uh, as our guest narrator, and he's, um, one of the hosts there, and, and they were discussing it, and, 
Uh, I tend to agree with Derek. I, I don't think this will impact too much uh, in the immediate future. Um, it's just hard to say. I mean, it, it's it's a bit vague, isn't it? Um, maybe I'm just being optimistic, and and I I'd like to think that you know Netflix is doing so well in partnership with Marvel. It, it'd be silly not to, um, you know, not to continue that trend at least for the next few years uh, before something like this happens. Um, and again, I'm I'm not too savvy in the in the business side of things. I don't know how long it will take to turn this around, or or if at a flick of a switch they can do it, and you know. Next year, it, it's uh, it's an edict that's been passed. <laughs> I don't know. So, well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on like um, to look at this. If I was to look at this in negative light, this could be pretty scary. Like um, mm. I, I I dislike the vagueness. Disney, I feel, especially in its TV show universe and its separation from the MCU, their press releases have usually been super vague, and it's been, mm. you know, it it's. It's concerning just because of the lack of information. I mean, this headline might be nothing to worry about because, you know, it might just be, it might just mean like Disney can't partner with like some other channel in America, but because it's already with Netflix, they can fund their own things and stuff like that. Or it could mean we're getting no new heroes there. Just the vagueness. Mm. It, it scares me, but, and it, it comes on the back of the fact that, uh, Marvel is getting its own subscription service mm. soon that will be its um oh, streaming service. Better way of putting it that will probably have its own TV show. So, I mean, so, there's that, part but, of me that's oh. but that's under that would be under D- Disney, right? Still, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm just not sure how it would connect with Netflix and stuff. Mm, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah. I mean, hopefully, yeah, I, I, I feel in hopefully that um. This isn't too big a change. I think hopefully it's more just Netflix won't partner. Uh, not Netflix, Disney won't partner with any new companies. It'll mm. just stick with the ones it already has, rather than you know not seeing another new hero on the Netflix silver screen. Because mm. to me, it seems like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little with. Because um, it says further down in the article, uh, you know, with Disney plans on doing this. Um, and you know Disney being the Disney production and, and, and company it is, uh, I don't think it would lean towards any R-rated superheroes um, to make the cut. Um, whereas you look at Netflix and um, you know right off the bat with Daredevil, uh, that was ultra ultra graphic, right? And and um, you know up there in in the R or at least MA rating. Um, so in Australia we have um, a rating MA, which I think is R in in the US. Uh, and we also have an R rating as well, which is beyond MA fifteen. But um, yeah, so Disney wouldn't be taking that on board. But but those characters and Netflix have proven how successful that is. So um, either Disney would say, look, you know, um, Netflix, uh, you know, you've got what you've got, you know, you've got those characters, but you're not going to have any more because they, you know, Disney would probably. You know, that either deprive Netflix of, of more success, possibly, or the same thing would be that um, they can't kind of introduce an R rating, or maybe they can, into the Disney fold, because it goes against, I mean, you know, Disney, it's it's never going to be, uh, it's never going to, you know, release a Deadpool or something. So, the loser at this... Uh, uh, are, the, are the viewers and Marvel who have a, a wealth of really interesting characters that unfortunately require a bit more 
than a PG rating. I mean, they've gotten mm. away with the Avengers and, and all that, bec- and because you can, because the Avengers are kind of like, you know, and I'm sure when the Fantastic Four come back to Marvel, you'll get, it's, it's all very family fun, you know, and, and PG, and you can still, you can still have a, a rollicking kind of action packed time. But there are other, you know, with Marvel Knights and, um, uh, you know, the Punisher and Ghost Rider and all that, um, to be true to the character and, and Marvel, um, are true to their characters when they, when they translate them to film, um, you need that extra kind of bit of edge. Um, so I can't see what they're going to do. And the only thing I can see is that Marvel's going to really lose out on it if this goes ahead. Unless there's some sort of agreement where Disney go, okay, well, um, you know, oh, I don't know. <laughs> say, yeah. Unless they just, yeah, and they let Marvel continue what they do, um, you know, releasing R-rated characters, whether it be a Netflix or some other subsidiary service that they'll provide that will be Marvel, or, yeah. Or, or they just continue with their relationship with Netflix, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I sort of the future of this will really depend on how much Disney trusts trusts in who it's already partnered with, whether it trusts Netflix to keep making those great R eighteen shows mm. for for profit and popularity and whether it trusts Marvel to to not just be its lackey, but to actually be its own creative mastermind. And we'll definitely mm. keep abreast of this. This is pretty important for, you know, anything even slightly attached to the Marvel universe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll stay I mean, abreast. Have you have you been uh, still uh, keeping up to date with the Inhumans as well? Uh, no, I haven't. Sadly, um, I've been uh, been a bit busy. I have them there. I have the Gifted as well. We have Legion yeah. coming back in February, so it's a yeah. It's a good time for Marvel shows. Yeah. But, hmm. Well, I mean, look, I, was, I guess I was about to say, uh, and nothing to take away from the Inhumans, because I've only watched three episodes, and it's um, it's starting to look really good. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't got, you know, Wi-Fi set up over here, so <laughs> I can't really watch the other episodes until a bit later. But um, I guess my point was saying um, the Netflix shows and Legion... Um, those sorts of shows seem to, Marvel seem to be hitting it out of the park, TV series wise. And if you look at those shows, those shows aren't, you know, they aren't like family fun shows, you know, there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of edge to them. So, yeah, I mean, just looking at Marvel's track, track history, um, and even with, I'm looking forward to Cloak and Dagger. I mean, although that looks like yeah. more of a, a young teen kind of thing, um, it, it still looks, pretty damn interesting and same with the gifted as well um so yeah it seems that the the successful tv shows are those that aren't uh, you know that aren't too corny i mean shield itself um started off um quite shakily but uh, it got better because well you only have to look at the last season and um it got put to a later time slot so they actually uh, got a, a higher rating, right? It was an M rating or something like that. Mm, um, yeah. And it, it was immediately more interesting. Maybe it's just the demographic that I'm in, but um, I find those series is a lot more appealing than, uh, yeah, than um, kind of safe, um, you know, <laughs> um, family fun films <laughs> uh, or, or shows. <laughs> Nothing against that, though. Sorry, loonies, if you do like those shows. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know Daniel. I know Daniel from Geek Street Podcast. He and Joe, they love uh, Gilmore Girls. So, <laughs> you know, um, and you know, each in their own. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so we'll keep a close eye on that, Loonies, as, as Connor said, because uh, it is important, um, especially if you do love your shows as well as your comics. Um, next bit of news, Connor. We are starting to head towards some really cool stuff, um, more of the comic side of things. Uh, we got something from Bleeding Cool, Marvel Legacy Moon Knight. Uh, there was a 188 review, I Am The God Ra. Um, what did you What did you make of this, Connor? So, um, yeah, Looney's Bleeding Cool got out, like, a review at the start of, um, the previous yeah. week. Yeah. So, yeah, they've, uh, Marvel's putting a lot of trust in the review, and it was an absolutely glowing review, uh, nine and a half out of ten. Mm. That just shows the quality sh- lining up with what everyone else has said online. It's a, it's a fairly in-depth review. I mean, if you haven't yes. clicked on it, possibly wait. Like, if you're already sold on buying this issue, of course, I, I, I'm not sure the review's entirely necessary for you, but um, I think mm. it was a good review. I, I, yeah. I, it, it certainly showed me some stuff that got me, you know, possibly even more hype than I already was, but mm. yeah. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, I mean, look, we're so close to to the release date. Um, I agree. I, I think you can hold off on it. Um, personally, as well, I, I do enjoy reading the book and then reading the reviews like rather than vice versa um, because you know you tend to get you tend to go into the the uh, the story you know without any influences and stuff and, and see if you really enjoy it yourself and what I do like from reviews is looking back and reading it and going oh yeah yeah you know um, that was that was true here or there you know and, and and trying to trying to find out things that you may not necessarily have picked up while you were reading it but um, yeah so I, I'd suggest probably leave it a bit until um, until come Wednesday after you've, you've read the the issue um, yeah there's a uh, the only I mean I don't want to give anything away here but um, yeah it, you mentioned um, you know the slight pacing issues here and there like it, it may seem to get you know but I think if we look at this Connor as it's, a, it's an issue 188 but it's essentially an issue one for, for Bemis and um, we know issue one's uh, generally, there's a lot of setup involved, and um, and this is definitely the case because um, coming off the Lemire run, um, Bemis is you know he's putting his own stamp on things and he's introducing new characters. So there's definitely going to be um, you know some slower moments, I think. Yeah, and that I think that's definitely the plan. It's why we're getting um, two issues in the first month and the first month alone. I think. You know, writing these issues, these guys really understood that this is the the issue that sets everything up, and then moves into motion. Really, next issue, and the fact that a, a setup exposition issue is still apparently a, a nine and a half out of ten just sort of shows that's, what we're dealing with here and what we can get with this run. Yeah, that's a pretty um, a pretty uh, high. It's pretty high praise, actually. I mean, I'm just recalling when we reviewed. Uh, issue one of Lemire's run, like that was just brilliant, wasn't it? And and that would be on par with a nine and a half out of ten. So if uh, if this person who's reviewing it is uh, Josh Joshua Davids Davison, if he's uh, anything like us, Connor, then I think we're on to a real winner for this first this first issue. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and finally, we got something else uh, straight out of. The uh, the Marvel Marvel yeah um, the vaults of Marvel website yeah and this was uh, Moon Knight Bad Moon Rising and this was a um, an interview with a second interview with Max Bemis uh, I always do enjoy uh, the interviews with the 
the creative artists themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, this was quite an interesting one. What did you think of this uh, this interview, Connor? Uh, yeah, um, it, it it kind of <laughs> the tagline sort of says, you know, new writer Max Bemis teases two new vill- villains, and it seems to talk about the truth. It yeah. really doesn't like. <laughs> I was expecting something a bit more concrete, but that said, I think the real takeaway from this interview is just how, not so much influential, but how, how much love Beamus has put into us and he wants this, Mm. wants to make this a run that, you know, stands alongside the greats and really sticks with you. And, you know, he obviously, he says he has a lot of plans. He's, he, he's obviously planned for this to go on for, who knows, maybe like 40 issues and beyond. And, mm-hmm. um, I love what he talks about. Uh, this very, um, yeah, particular line, just to, if I may quote the final, the, uh, excellent bit of this article. Every issue is some, uh, something big introduced permanent to the Moon Knight mythology. At least every other issue is something that's going to change Moon Knight forever. At least in this first arc, he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's pretty. You can read between um, the lines as well for Beamus. Yeah, he really does. Uh, he really does. I think care and and uh, care for this character, and and he's he's a bit of a fan, which is is really always good to to hear. Like um, as a a fan of the the character, to hear that the new creative um, team behind it, uh, you know, uh, have got a vested interest in 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 Moon Knight. Uh, what I took from this. Um, interview was the the creep factor i thought that was pretty Ooh, cool yeah, true, yeah. Uh, yeah how bemis was talking um yeah so that marvel said on a scale of one to ten how creeped out should readers expect to be by these new baddies and and i'm assuming it's by the the comic book in general and um bemis is you know very realistically saying well you know it's 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 not. I'm not going to say 11 because then I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. He he set the bench too high, so he goes. You know, I'll give it. You know, um, 188 and 189 issues. I'll give it um, both about an eight, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and he he goes on to talk about um, like creepiness and an actual scary vibe, not just a yeah. So he he's really painting a picture of of what the tone of this book will be. Um, and remembering his first interview um, by Marvel as well, um, he mentioned something along the lines of, you know, this this series is tantamount to like reading something at night. You know, you're being immersed in this darkness. So um, it's got a, a really creepy vibe to it. And uh, yeah, just again, just um, looking forward to a couple of days from now, Connor. Yeah, crazy. A whole three days we'll be reading this and then reporting back to you on the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree on the uh, spookiness factor. I think I really like as well, um, just along that, that, you know, he, these villains are going to be mainstay as well. You know, it seems like the mm. mission statement given to Bemis when he was applying was to, you know, make make some new villains to stand alongside the existing cast and, you know, the creepiness yeah. factor is sort of determined on their introduction, this gauntlet that this first arc will put Moon Knight through. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's very, it's totally exciting. And what we've heard about the Sun King so far, it seems like these could be, these could be the next Bushmans. Yeah. And, and what I find really interesting about this as well, and Beamus touches upon it, 
um, just with, with um, collaborations in general between writers and artists. Uh, Bemis mentions in the article that he, you know, he, he created these, um, these legacy characters, which will be the Truth and the Sun King, who will be, you know, long-lasting characters. But he didn't necessarily have a, a visual for them, and he relied um, a lot on Jason yeah, Burroughs. Yeah, being and, and him um, being comfortable with letting Jason Burroughs come up with something because he's such a big fan of of him um, that he kind of knew that. Burroughs would come up with with just the right looks, so I, I always find that really interesting. Like as a writer, um, not not myself, I'm just talking in general as a, as a writer, um, how they don't necessarily have a preconceived image or visual of of their characters. I always would have thought that they they would. I mean, if you look at like Jeff Lemire, albeit he, him being an artist as well, a, draw, a penciler, a drawer. Same with um with Matt Kent. Um, I I guess they would have something more visual in their minds as well because they do draw. Um, but I guess with Bemis, he, he's, a, he's a pure writer. So it's, um, it's, it's up to the artist to come up with, a, with an idea. I think he also makes mention that um, this book was like tailor-made for Burroughs. Mm. He mentions that, you know, he, once he knew Burroughs was on this book, he wrote to his art style. And I think, yeah. I think that's a, a big thing. And I think, you know, I think possibly... Um, I remember listening to an interview with Jillian uh, Tamaki, um, and she was talking about that as as an artist herself. You know, the the best writers are those that allow for that creative freedom with art. And I think possibly, you know, actually seeing seeing sort of um, Lemire's scripting. You know, it's it, it's quite possible that the well that even Lemire leaves it up to the creative freedom of who he's working with. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, um, and and just another window into the world of of um, uh, you know, the comic book world and, and creating within it. I, I just found it quite quite interesting. Um, and looking at uh, I, I can't remember Connor if it's the um variant cover or if it's for cover one eighty nine, but it's the one with Moon Knight. He's got the bloody hands, and there's there's two arms coming out for him. Um. I'm assuming that's I'm assuming that's the the Sun King, right? No, I think that's the truth. Oh, the truth. Sorry, yeah, it would be because the, the Sun King's the um the, the bearded burbler, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. It looks pretty cool and very. I mean, you can't see much. You can see just the eyes and the arms, but um, some nice bloody very, knuckles. Uh, sorry, some nice bloody knuckles. Bloody knuckles, yeah. But I mean, the arms behind it—it's got a very Egyptian kind of look to it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, a- a- any um, any last uh, impressions on on this article? Very good article, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Looney's. I- I'd recommend you read it. So again, we'll put this on the show notes as well as all the others. Um, but yeah, definitely give this one a uh, give this one a whirl. Um, yeah. Any last thoughts on it, Connor? I think uh, just the conversation we had before, I really hope that possibly Bemis releases his scripting for Moon Knight. I'd love to see the creative Ooh. process on this. Yeah, I wonder if... Um, because I see it a lot with, uh, you know, the Valiant comics. Yeah, they're and they, great for that. They're really good, yeah. It's a, it's a nice little behind-the-scenes thing, and I don't think... Um, yeah, Marvel don't do it enough. They do it in... Um, when they do the collected trades or, or you know, the, the collections, um, you, you might get a few extra pages at the end where they interview, you know, the writer or the artist and um, they give you a bit more of a back backstory. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really cool. Um, 
yeah, to get to get into it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we shall let's let's wait and and see. Yeah, well, I suppose that closes off our uh, our big old news sec- segment. Yeah, a lot of news there, loonies, to digest. Um, yeah, but we've also got two grand issues yeah. to get through as well. Um, so let's head over the moon. <gasps> right, so... Um, we've got a couple of rip-snorting issues here, <laughs> loonies. Connor, before we head into the um, guest narration, uh, can we get a recap on Lemire's story to date? Done, done, done. Death and Birth, Part 5 of 5. After a confrontation with his alternate identities, in which they seem to disappear for good, Mark realised that to become whole again, he must kill Conchu. Even with this measure of closure, Mark's past, from hospitalisation for mental illness to his entry into mercenary work, to his death at Bushman's hands, follows him. While tracking Conchu in the Overvoid, Mark traded a goddess for his friend Crawley's freedom, and even faced execution. At that hopeless moment, Mark's identities briefly returned to save him. Finally, Mark has arrived at the mental hospital, where, the story, where this story began. Conchu is waiting. Yes, all primed for the finale for this great, great run by Lemire. And also, we have a um, another guest narrator for us, Connor, which is um, which is pretty cool. Um, her name is Sparky Malaki, and she has a a YouTube channel um, called Sparky Malaki Comics Cosplay and More. Uh, and she reviews comics um, and, and looks at cosplay. She's also um, a you know a great cosplayer in her own right as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen her Twitter uh, account. Have you, Connor? Mm. Or? Sure. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a big Taskmaster fan and a big Moon Knight fan as yeah. well. <laughs> so she's got <laughs> she's got all the ticks from uh, from the ITK <laughs> you know <laughs> podcast. Um, so it, we are just so grateful to have her um, guest narrate uh, a couple of um, our issues for review this episode. Um, so without further ado, I will pass it on to Sparky to give us uh, the first issue for review. Yet a hello, Sparky Malarkey here, and first up on this segment of Bare Bones is Moon Knight Volume 8, Issue Number 14, Death and Birth, Part 5 of 5, released January 4th, 2017. Written by Jeff Lemire, with artwork by Greg Smallwood, colors by Jordi Belair, lettering by VCs Corey Petit, and editing by Jake Thomas, with cover art by Greg Smallwood. We begin with a scene from the past, as the mercenary Mark Spector is slowly making his way across a sea of burning sand after being beaten and left for dead in the Egyptian desert. Suddenly, Mark's other identities of Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley appear, 
and they try to comfort him, assuring him that they will always be with him. They tell him to rest, and they warn him that it'll be night soon, and he will be coming for them. As night falls, Mark starts to hear Conchu's voice, and by the light of the moon, Mark is led to the ruins of a great temple. He is given a choice, death or life. Mark states that he wants to live, and so he becomes the moon god's eyes and hands, his vengeance, the night of Conchu. We then jump to the present as Mr. Knight makes his way through the derelict mental hospital in search of Conchu. He hears what sound like cries of distress from Marlene, calling for his help from a nearby room. But as he rushes to her aid, he is instead greeted by Dr. Amut and the jackal-headed orderlies Billy and Bobby. They quickly sedate him and prepare him for a session of aggressive shock therapy. This scene in the present is then placed side by side with the events of the previous flashback. As the orderlies place the helpless Mr. Knight onto the medical bed, Kanshu places the dying Mark Spectre onto the stone altar as if done simultaneously. Time is blurred, and the past and present blend together. As the switch is flipped in the present, Mark Spectre surges to life in the past. Marlene and one of the local workers from the archaeological dig are shocked to see him awake, and she tells Mark that he was dead. Mark Spector gets to his feet, convinced he's been resurrected, reborn, and filled with purpose. He declares, I am a ghost, a specter of the moon, the moon's night of vengeance, and I have work to do. Mark's resolve is reflected in Mr. Knight, and he breaks free from his restraints and overcomes Amut and her jackals. He quickly ascends to the rooftop where Khonshu is waiting for him. Khonshu tries to stop Mark with illusions of a monstrous werewolf and the villains from his past, but Mark accepts them all as mere hallucinations and is undeterred. Left with only Khonshu before him, Mark refuses to be afraid anymore. He accepts his illness, and he is determined to continue to live his life. This determination weakens Kanju, and in one final act of defiance, Mark combines all of his identities, and together they crush Kanju into dust. With Kanju gone, a peaceful calm falls over Mark, and he gazes up at the moon, relishing in the silence. Mark momentarily questions his reality, but it soon begins to rain and each raindrop on his face feels real enough for Mark and his identities, and that's good enough for them. Cool. Thank you so much, Sparky Malaki, um, a our uh, guest narrator for this episode, and a fantastic job in setting the scene for what was a fantastic finale, Connor. Yeah, I think this issue, the emotions I st- uh, still feel for this incredible issue are still with me from when we, you know, not on the pod, but 
read it back in January when it released yeah. when um Into the Night was the the group was originally called uh, uh was it Fist of Conchu back when we were talking with some of the mm-hmm. some of our first Looney members. I think it's it's such an incredibly just resonating issue and I think above all else, those final pages are just some of the most breathtaking oh, they are. in comics. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. I mean, and even the even the opening pages as well, um, just absolutely brilliant. Um, when when the uh, the battered Mark kind of uh, he, he kind of looks up into the moon as well, um, and when he comes to the the temple for Conchu, uh, yeah, Smallwood just he just outdoes himself. Um, and we, we mentioned before in the previous episode, Connor, about Corey Petit's. Um, lettering but uh yeah this just sets the tone and it actually works in parallel with each other um both past and present uh and it was just yeah i found it just phenomenal yeah i think this is um sorry to cut you off i'll just say it's sort of uh um top lamir for me some of my favorite runs of animal man and essex county the the graphic novels all sort of come through with this this incredibly personal and touching finale for a for a very crazy book <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very emotional ride isn't it like Lemire really knows how to you know tug at the heartstrings not only in this issue but you know throughout the whole ride um from all three arcs um you know particularly we we mentioned also as well uh, a couple of issues ago about when um when Mr. Knight was trying to bring his personalities back to him and you know in effect um they were to to die. Remember how we kind of met up with Stephen Grant and Stephen was talking about, I've got all these memories yeah. of life. Uh, Lumiere is so, so good at doing, at doing this. And, um, and this last issue as well, uh, there's a sort of, uh, resoluteness, I think, to, to, to Mark. Um, and it's, uh, like, I'm not going to take any more of this, any more of this crap kind of thing. So there's a strength that comes through. And, uh, and, and Lemire just, you know, he, he conveys it in, in different ways, um, which kind of make it subtle, but also quite exciting as well. Um, yeah, so I guess before we go into anything, how about, shall we go into one of your aspects, Connor? What, what was one of the first big aspects for you for this issue? First big, uh, big aspect, um, mine was very much in the, uh, second half of the issue, but... Mm -hmm. I think um, I'll start before we'll leave the final part of this issue for our final aspect, but mm-hmm. in the latter half of this issue, it's really about Konshu trying to break Mark for good to make him a empty, carved-out vessel for him to inhabit, and Mark is just so defiant. He, uh, Konshu basically tries to throw every fear and every... Yes every, like, bit of uh, Mark's past and what made him who he is um, at him to try and, you know, stop him for good. But Mark realises that, no, this is who he is. And in an incredibly sort of even touching moment where Mark realises his own his own weakness and his own illness and the fact that he can live his life like this, he, he overcomes the control that Conchu has on him, you know. Conchu mm. basically lived through him by the by basically demeaning and keeping Mark's life down is almost like burying him in the dirt and this is sort of the first time Mark realizes that you know he's outgrown Conchu he doesn't need 
conch you at all. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's incredibly powerful, you know, Mark punching a werewolf and getting over his, uh, yeah. getting over his fears to, to finally beat the, beat the man that has basically groomed him into this, this being over, over yeah. his entire life. Yeah, you get um, you get little cameos from all of Mark's rogue gallery um, in it as well, and it, it's a great way, isn't it? Of um, it's literally Conchu just throwing everything at Mark, trying to trying to kind of um, force him into some sort of submission. And Conchu is a bit of a creep, isn't he? Like he's a, he just never stops, does he? Like we saw last issue with with Mark um, in the brainscape, trying to you know trying to free himself of Conchu's hold. Conchu just is kind of again and again. He's trying to control and 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 um and beat Mark. And and over here in this issue, uh, you know, he literally throws everything at him. So he's got, as you mentioned, Jack Russell, the werewolf. Uh, he ends up beating him on the moon. So there, there's flashes <laughs> of here and there. And then you got Bushman. Uh, and then there's a whole little, you, you see a little bit of stained glass scarlet there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Black Spectre as well. Um, so they're just, um, Conscious trying to use fear, I guess, to, um, to, to break Mark, but he just won't do it. And, and that's the, I think the running theme of this, how Mark is so, so strong in actually, in his belief that this is no longer gonna be the case. He's not gonna be controlled by Conchu. Um, and funnily enough as well, Connor, you know how we mentioned in the primer pages, um, uh, how one of the loonies as well made mention that possibly Mark has Conchu as an aspect now as well. Th- this is all towards, this seems to be all heading towards Mark, um, finally freeing himself of control of Conchu and maybe in effect controlling Conchu. So, um, yeah, th- this, this is, um, yeah, it's, it was just, yeah, just really well done, I think, um, by... And to talk about Jeff the, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, no, so, I'll let you finish. Oh, no, that was it. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no, I was just saying, if you, uh, look at the scene, which I hope you have your issues out reading along, or if not, you know, I'll, I'll possibly post some art up, but, um, I think this scene of just pure onslaught, I think the amazing colouring of Mark's all-white outfit is used oh, so yes. well against, like, the incredibly, not so much detail, but so, like, definely coloured characters in the backgrounds of yep. Bushmen and this, like, apocalyptic New York with, you know, the red and blacks of his cast, and it's just this pure white that stands out. Yeah. Almost as, almost a shining beacon of defiance in a way. Yeah. It's a perfect example, Connor, again, of, of how... Um, Geordie Blair has has used the white effectively, uh, used like the negative space in it, and you're totally right. It it just really shines out, doesn't it? Really good stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's a that's a big moment. Yeah, of uh, of basically it's a, it's a turning point of this issue, isn't it? Where um where Conchu basically just throws everything at Mark, um, and it's the final test. You know, if if he gets broken, then then he's back to square one. But uh, he proves himself to be a lot stronger than Conchu thinks. Um, yeah, uh, look, my first aspect as well, um, it goes back a bit to the first half. Um, and I thought one of the the big things in this issue as well, um, kind of on the back of uh, previous issue, issue 13, is that um, we we still get the, um, we get the rounding off of the... Um, the retelling of Mark's origin. Um, so, 
last issue we kind of got that that bit where um, where Bushman and Mark confront each other, and that that point where Bushman leaves Mark for dead, and that's kind of the catalyst for Mark becoming Moon Knight. Um, in here, in this final issue, we see uh, we see that classic tale of uh, of Marlene uh, um, seeing Mark resurrected. Uh, so he's made his way to the temple. He's obviously passed out or, or died. And uh, as they enter the temple, um, he he screams out and he's alive again. And um, one of the big things here, I think, is um, there's a... It's almost... It's a word for word, I think, of, of Munch's uh, origin. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so where Mark says, I'm a ghost, the spectre of the moon, the moon's night of vengeance, and I have work to do, that's ripped straight off. Yeah, no, uh, the, definitely. Yeah, the Munch um, origin. And I just love how this is the, this is the modern version of it. Um, it's still very true to the, to the original, um, but yeah, you see with Smallwood's fantastic art... And you see the Conchu statue with the with the cape draped around it, which Mark will eventually steal and and become Moon Knight. Uh, I thought it was just great. It, it kind of I got you know real chills from it because it was a a good way to retell the origin. Yeah, and it, it's so perfect. You know, the end of this issue shows Mark finally breaking free of Conchu, and, and our flashback takes us to the part where he first accepted Conchu. It's a real sort of at the end, we're shown the beginning, and it's sort of... It's almost like the perfect tale of this run concluding is by showing where Moon Knight began as a character up until now, and it's... It's it, it's it's interesting, because it's... You know, this, this flashback and the fact that he is the Moon Knight's Avengers is never painted as, like, sort of a dark or somber thing. You know, he seems so assured in it. And I suppose that's in a way sort of comment on how he ended up becoming Moon Knight and how he was Moon Knight all along, not just Conchu's pup, as he likes to call him. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. How about uh, how about your your other aspect, Connor? Yes, this will lead quite perfectly into yours, but in, yeah, like I said, possibly just some of the five greatest pages just most touching pages in comics I've seen. The end of this issue, in the defeating of Konshu, grasping his hands around that skull, you know. Yes. There's, there's Classic. Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, and Moon Knight. And I love that, you know, um, the, 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 the pronoun changes from, like, I to our and us. Mm. And it shows that he's finally accepted who we are, and it just... As the issue end, it just cuts. There's just the one full page yeah. of where you can tell from the background that Mark's back in New York. Yeah. This is safe. This is home. And then just the pages, the rain. Yes. And Mark finally feeling quiet. It's just, it's it's so much. It's so beautiful. It was, a, it's such a good way to end it, isn't it? And um, it's all, again, always helped by the art and the colours um, and the very predominant... Um, Green, which we associate with New Egypt, which was spoken about in the previous episodes. Um, so this kind of this alternate reality where um, New York is taken over by Egypt and sand and pyramids. Um, but that classic page, Connor, as you mentioned, where all his personalities get hold of Conchu's bird skull and just <laughs> smash it to bits. It's a beautiful bit of art there with. Um, 
yeah, just again, small woods art. To, uh, it's like dust, you know. It's got speckles and fragments here and there. And then, as you say, that new page where he returns to New York, and you see the New York skyline, and the green is gone, you know, and and the dust is kind of blowing away. It's just, um, yeah, it's it's just really, really, uh, yeah, really powerful stuff. It's it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, that that links to my um, my aspect, and and I've kind of come around again, um, similar to my aspect last issue, where things come full circle, and I and I just wanted to talk about um, it's all in the eyes, and again Lemire and Smallwood's use of um, of Mark's eyes, and a lot of it has to do with Smallwood's talent as an artist, um, just how it, the the use of the eyes for the characters just um, paint you know. A thousand words. Um, so we get actually a lot of, um, if we look, a lot of Mark's um, close-ups of his face, and if you look into his eyes, there's a lot of determination and strength in it. And as we spoke before, um, this issue is all about how Mark is stronger now and how he's not going to buckle to Conchu. And you see that in, in all the close-ups of his eyes. And we spoke, Connor, as well before about, again, loonies. If you look at page 13 with a determined mark just looking straight um, through the fourth wall, how that's kind of reflected with, uh, at the beginning, issue one, um, there's him and the close-up of his eyes, and it's more dazed and glazed. Um, so there's a, it's a massive difference between issue one and issue 14. And uh, and even if you, you look um, even further back, that as well when when Mark is um, in that small room with Billy and Bobby and uh, Amut uh, there's a determination and, and a bit of craziness to his eyes as well <laughs> as he snaps his bonds so they're facing a very different Mark here someone that knows and is driven to do exactly what they want and knows exactly what has to be done so um, it was a nice touch that yeah uh, this was reflected in the eyes and um, to cap that off, as you were saying, Connor, when the rain starts to fall, when he again looks up at the moon, oh. and this is a, a recurring theme of him looking up at the moon, it's it's throughout a lot of the issues. This final one, where you get the shot of um, the back of his head looking up, and then it, it pans around to his face, and that just the, that look of calm, like on his face, but in his eyes as well, um, is it, just is just brilliant, and it's again testament to, to Smallwood's art. Um, but it was what a way to cap off the uh, what a way to cap off the issue, and you know as the rain falls, he um, he looks at his mask and he puts it back on and and uh, he he gets to work. So um, I just loved how that those running themes were kind of um, used all the way through and and capped off at the end. Yeah, I think the best you know sort of the best book is the one that doesn't feel like. It, it could just be a TV show, and the best comic isn't. It, the best comic is something that doesn't feel like it could be just a book. There is this issue is It's just so much in the art. You know, it's entirely that perfect combination of Lemire's writing and Smallwood's art. Like, there's just a way you couldn't capture how this story's been built and you know climaxed outside of the way you see that the looking up in the sky and the closing of the eyes, the one raindrop falls and the final just passionate image of you know 
Mark in back in the suit adjusting the tie. You know, Mister Knight yeah. back in the real world, and <laughs> we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I got that. I put that in there. I slipped that in there, Connor, as a little note. Um, I reckon Mister Knight's got to learn how to do a Windsor knot. What do you reckon? Because he, he keeps on adjusting his tie. He keeps on coming loose. <laughs> so so many so many uh, frames of him adjusting his tie. It's like Mark, man. Either get a either get a bit bigger size collar, you know, so you can do your top button up, or we'll get a Windsor knot happening. <laughs> um, so that was um, yeah. So that was issue fourteen. The, my gosh, Connor, that was it was so cool to do the whole Lemire run. Um, yeah. And what a fantastic way to for to bow out um, and and for Bemis to pick up next issue. Um, have you got any? Um, any notes there for this issue? Yeah, I um, one of my big ones is the color red. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've listened or read this uh, this series, um, you know that red's been a very big color of adversity and yes. evil. You know, Conchu hanging out in the uh, cubicles bathed in red light in the general assignment asylum. The big change in this issue, I noticed something as prominent as the red has changed. You know, Mark isn't suffering the oppression of the red. He's in control. Mm. In this final thing, you see the snap as he breaks free as if change in a red, you know, on yes. a here. And as he delivers a final uh, a final blow to Billy or Bobby, <laughs> it's, it's a red it's a red background panel. Yeah. And in the final walk to face Konshu, you know, when Mark's so determined and walking, saying that he's outgrown you, he's bathed in red, you know, he's yeah. he's the one in control now. He's the one who's going to win. Yeah, and, and it's um, augmented even further with that look on his face as well, that determination. So it's like, yeah, exactly you say, there's that red aspect to it, but it's like, he doesn't care. <laughs> he, uh, he knows what he has to do. He knows where Konshu is. Um, so he goes straight up to the roof. But yeah, no, good, good note. I, uh, I had, um, just the rain at the end. I thought, uh, again, you know, uh, a bit of a symbol there of, um, uh, a cleansing, a cleansing of the soul. And, uh, and how this being the end of the, um, the long, the 14 issue run, it's, uh, it's a new beginning for Mark. Mm. So, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. I mean, let me use rain a a bit um, earlier on as well in the first arc um, to kind of um, parallel like the sandstorms that would be going around but but this is used very differently and and it's very much a kind of like a to me it's a bit of closure Um, yeah yeah Yeah. and I suppose this whole run I was going to bring up in the sort of final closing as we give our crescent dart rating this this whole series is so self-contained in the fact that, you know, it's a story inside Mark's... You know, it's entirely about introspective inside Mark's mind, and, you know, there's no, tan- like, no tangible death of Bushman, you know. It's all about Mark accepting who he is and removing his ties, which is sort of the big change. Those two are the big changes, and that... It, it, it's just such a perfect run that it exists so separate, but that rain just gives way to a whole new era of storytelling. So we're seeing with Bemis where, you know, it's not like he, he's accomplished everything he's ever wanted and he's beaten his rogues gallery, you know. This yeah. isn't, this is basically an all new mark, an accepted mark, and we see that going to Bemis that, you know, this is a, this is a changed mark. He, he knows who he is. 
Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And uh, exciting times ahead because you're right. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't solved everything. He hasn't he hasn't finished by any means. Um, so this end can very much be the beginning, um, which I think is is what um, is what Lemire is kind of hinting towards. And it's a great way for a rider to actually leave the series. And I think again, Bemis mentions it um, in in that article that we mentioned earlier. Uh, he does it really well. Lemire um, gives him so many options, to, you know, as a springboard. Because, you know, there are some riders, I guess, that can write themselves into a corner and then the next rider comes along and is going, what the hell am I going to do with this now, you know? Um, so, yeah, uh, really good uh, that Lemire's kind of really good. Lemire does a really good um, job at, at ending series, as I reckon. Would you would you agree or? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking of actually other series that he's done, but I'm pretty sure he does, doesn't he? Yeah, totally. I think. I think yeah, I think that's very much just Lemire's whole writing style. I think. Just in just in general, you know, I don't think Le, like Lemire always leaves a mark on his on on the characters he writes but yeah. you know obviously in the wavy world of comics you can't take a character and change them forever and i think yeah he likes to find that specific part and just tweak it like we see in bloodshot of make like yeah and that whole new era of looking at that and obviously that's different in his own you know yeah. series but we see that in animal man and the way families used and that it's just sort of yeah I guess I guess I'm just because um, I'm starting to compare him with other writers, and it might it might be an unfair comparison because I was thinking of um, Colin Bunn actually, who was a great Moon Knight writer as well. Uh, he he had a, a, a nice six issue stint, mm. but I, I think with the sheer number of um, of works that Colin Bunn currently is is um, you know loaded with, because uh, I'm thinking of the Deadpool kills the rest of the Marvel universe again. Um, which I thought it really fizzed out towards the end. It really didn't end properly. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of Cullen Bunn's... Well, a lot of the short arcs kind of tend to do that. Um, whereas Lemire, to me, a very strong way to end, um, which is which is pretty cool. Um, look, I've only got like, one other little note, Connor, as well, and and it was just got me thinking as well. Like, if you look at the first page, or the the, the beginning of this issue... Mark, some years ago, is, you know, he was left for dead, and he's, um, travelling to the temple, and he finally gets there. He, um, are we to, are we to believe that he beats Marlene and, and, uh, Bushman there? Because they had a helicopter, and the only reason I can think of is that Frenchie kind of took them the scenic route, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, like, took them the long way, um, because... You know, Mark had to have been there first, right, in order to have died and then to come across him for him to be resurrected. Because if they were there and then he wandered in, um, Marlene would have seen him alive, right? She sees him dead and he he gets brought back to life. So, explain that. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely agree with that. That was something that caught me off guard, like, just as much as it did you, it seems. Yeah. It just sort of... It made me question if Conchu uh, had a hand in that almost as the the I mean it, I suppose the the way time works in reading a, a single issue is always you know sometimes hard to convey yeah true but it almost seems like Conchu almost teleported in there like oh, as if okay. Conchu's mystical direction took him from collapsing in the desert to being in front of the the 
was it temple? Yeah, no. yeah, the temple. pyramid. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Kryptonite. Yeah, the, no, I agree. It was definitely sort of like a. Am I expected to believe this is Conchu's doing or yeah. Mark's just running fast? Yeah, <laughs> found the shortcut, you know, as a crow flies. <laughs> anyway, I guess we have to suspend some disbelief. <laughs> um, Crescent Dart ratings, Connor. This is going to be a, an interesting one. So what would you give this one? Uh, Ten out of five. <laughs> Ten out of five. <laughs> Unprecedented. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, no, I, I think, um, you know, I'm so biased. It's it, it's a top five, like, of all-time comics run, and this issue is definitely a five out of five. It's a perfect closing. It's perfect at what Lemire does. It's perfect at characterization. It understands Moon Knight. It opens a whole new doorway for Moon Knight. It's just such a such a climactic issue while being so personal and... In a way, small. Yeah, yeah I, look, I'd, I'd agree with you as well. And um, I think I was imposing my own, my own, um, you know, um, parameters. I gave five out of five last episode, uh, last issue. Sorry, um, for issue thirteen, fourteen. I'd have to, I'd give it a five out of five again. Um, so that you know, the, the, as much as it, yeah, it, it's really good. I still like issue 13, uh, I think a bit more than issue 14, but um, I, uh, I'm, you know, I, I know that uh, last issues and finales are hard to, hard to do because you can you have to really wrap up everything. Um, so with, with in that regard, it's done really well as well. Um, and Smallwood's art is just constant. It's so consistent, isn't it? It's just so consistently good. Um, you really can't say much more about it. Uh, so, yeah, um, five out of five for being a, a really entertaining last issue and for wrapping things up really well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, a goodbye to Lemire. Lemire's Yeah, run. I mean, we said goodbye in, in January, really, but still it's yeah. sad to see it go on the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but it, it's kind of tempered by Bemis next week, you know? Yeah, true. I can't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, you know, it's just this week, a couple of days. Oh my God, it's only a couple of days. Yeah, it's, true. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, um, as that one is closed off, we have another, a second review for this um, this episode, Connor. Uh, and I will pass it on to Sparky again to give us a, a rundown. Oh, hang on, hang on, sorry, again. <laughs> there's a bit of a, hang on, we'll keep this in, why not? Uh, look, I forgot about this. Uh, look, there's a, there's another recap here. Um, so, just to kind of set the scene as to what's happening, because, you know, we've picked this, this is a one-shot, but you kind of have to know, I guess, what's happened before. Um, Connor, can I, um, can I please ask you to, to give us a recap? Uh, yeah, sure, just take me up to my first page. In the age of the Superhero Registration Act and the, uh, you, was that? Oh, 50 States Initiative, the only good hero is one that plays by the book, which Moon Knight most assuredly does not. So Mark Spector does the last thing that anyone expects him to and gets himself a registration card. Now Moon Knight legally does what he always has, beating down dealers bloody, throwing paroled convicts down flights of stairs and carving crescent moons into the foreheads of his victims. Acts that don't escape the watchful eyes of the Registration Acts champion, Tony Stark. When Moon Knight's long-time adversary, Black Spectre, frames 
uh, frame Spectre for a string of violent murders, Stark suspends Spectre's registration card and demands that he cease all activity as Moon Knight immediately. However, eager to subdue Black Spectre, Moon Knight disobeys Stark's order and ends up killing Black Spectre in front of a massive crowd of Initiative supporters. His identity compromised, his home raided by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and a warrant out for his arrest. Spectre goes into hiding. In the company of wolves. In the company of wolves, yeah. So, um, apologies for that. So, thank you, Connor. Um, so, with that in mind, I'll throw it to Sparky to um, give us the bare bones. Up next is Moon Knight Volume 5, Issue Number 20, In the Company of Wolves. Released July 16th, 2008. Written by Mike Benson, with art by Mike Deodato Jr. and colors by Rain Barreto. With lettering by VCs Joe Carmagna and editing by Alex Alonso. Deep in the sewers of New York, Crawley returns to check up on an exhausted Mark Spector, who is currently in hiding after recent events against the Black Spector. Mark awakens at Crawley's arrival and discovers several days have already come and gone since he lost consciousness. It's upon awakening that Mark remembers a time when he hunted a man who might have felt as he does now, hunted and caged. A man named Jack Russell. Back in 1994, we see Russell as a prisoner in an unknown location. His captors visit periodically to extract some of his blood. Not far away, on the nocturnal streets of New York City, Moon Knight apprehends a man who appears far more terrified of someone else, more terrified than he is of even the Moon Knight. Suddenly, the unlucky man is shot dead by an unknown assailant from an adjacent rooftop and although Moon Knight gives chase, he is unable to catch a glimpse of the mysterious assassin. Meanwhile, Detective Flint is having a hard time cracking a case involving a series of grisly murders. It's apparent that it's the work of a serial killer, so the detective ventures into the seedy side of the city to try to get some answers. But as hard as he pushes, Detective Flint can't seem to find any good leads. It's not until he comes across a heavily mutilated body, which he autopsies, that he starts to consider something more supernatural. The mutilations appear to have been inflicted by a large animal, a huge dog, or maybe a werewolf. With this in mind, he reaches out to the one person he knows who may have some experience with the matter, Moon Knight. Across town, a mysterious limousine pulls up to a group of homeless people, and a silver-haired man the very same man who had been holding Jack Russell captive and taking his blood, offers money and a job to one of the homeless men. Back near the Brooklyn Bridge, Detective Flint meets up with Moon Knight and discusses his findings. Moon Knight denies any knowledge of wild dogs or otherwise, but Flint knows better. Acting upon their conversation, Moon Knight changes to his Jake Lockley identity and hits the streets in his cab hoping to come across information regarding Detective Flint's case. He ends up at a bar called Lou Pine, after dropping off some shady characters there, and he decides to investigate later. Using his billionaire persona, Stephen Grant, Moon Knight returns to Lou Pine with Marlene. It's Marlene who makes a breakthrough after chatting with the local clientele within the bar, 
She finds that there is an underground fight club where bets are taken and where wolves fight to the death. Stephen Grant changes to Moon Knight, and although Marlene is keen to join the fight, Moon Knight tells her to stay behind and to call Detective Flint. Moon Knight discovers the subterranean dungeons below the bar where Jack Russell is kept. He manages to incapacitate the guards, but not before Jack Russell's cage is accidentally opened. Now with Jack Russell, the werewolf, on the loose, Moon Knight knows raw power when he sees it, and so he's forced to make a run for it. In another part of the dungeon, Moon Knight finds others who have been infected with Jack's blood, turning them into werewolves as well, and he sets them free to serve out violent justice on their captors. It's not long, however, before Moon Knight comes face to face with Jack Russell himself, a hulking eight-foot-tall mass of fur and fang, a pure killing machine. They fight, and although Moon Knight manages to evade the werewolf's claws, the pure instinct and ferocity of the werewolf's attacks get the better of him. Marlene shows up in time to stop the werewolf from delivering the killing stroke, and it's enough distraction for Moon Knight to put in one last, final effort And in an unrelenting series of savage blows, Moon Knight is able to defeat the werewolf. Knowing that Jack Russell is innocent of the crimes that his alter ego, the werewolf, commits, Moon Knight allows Russell to escape. Shortly after, Frenchie arrives in the Moonjet to pick up Moon Knight and Marlene from Lou Pine and the dungeons below. The memories of Jack Russell and the adventure in Lou Pine stick with Mark as we see him again in the present day. Finally rested from his encounter with Black Spectre, and not wanting to live like an animal, Mark picks up his gear and walks out. He's ready to face the consequences, no matter what they are. Yes, thank you once again, Sparky Malaki, um, for that great narration of issue 20 in the Company of Wolves. What a cool little one-shot, Connor. Yeah, it's so, it's sort of, it so nicely fits into the events that the recap says, but also so distinctly stands out as a one-shot as it's set sort of in 1994. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can, um, it, it definitely is a one-shot, um, but... Yeah, there are little things like um, like Mark in in hiding, and you know what's he doing down in the sewers um, when you when you start reading the comic that you know may throw off someone that just picks this issue up, but it's small enough for you to kind of gloss over uh, and go through it. Um, first impressions, Connor, then of of the comic as a whole. What do you reckon? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I think. Um it's it's in three ways great. I think it stands out as an amazing action issue mm-hmm. with um, Diodato's art. Yeah. Um, it stands as a great detective tale really stood out to me. I'll yes. cover that in my aspects, really. And um, I love its sort of introspective narrative about, you know, Moon Knight making the decision in the present by looking to his past and how he acted. I think... It was a really standout issue that took you into the brutality of Moon Knight and that fine edge he walks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a, definitely a, 
there's a, a grimmer aspect to it, isn't there? And um, uh, not not only, uh, and I'll get it to, get to it with one of my aspects as well. Not only with the nature of this story, um, with uh, with Jack Russell as a werewolf, but uh, Moon Knight's depicted uh, as quite a menacing figure. <laughs> you know, um, he even says uh, in in one of the earlier bits where he chases down this goon. Uh, and the goons, obviously, he's scared of something. And Moon Knight goes, look at me. Whoever you're scared of, they're not your problem anymore. Be scared of me. So he's such a, an imposing figure here. It's really good. And, um, yeah, Diodata's art, for me, was one of the highlights. Um, first Impressions was fantastic. And, and it is a, a really good action action romp. And I do like the um, the detective component of as well. Connor, I think that was really cool with Detective Flint, who's uh, one of our favourite characters. But you're looking at the nature of his cases, and it's um, he's looking at dismembered, you know, bodies. Uh, you know, he's chasing a murderer, and he even mentions, you know, a, a serial killer. So we're getting into the really dark and seedy side of um, of New York here. For sure. So would you like to crack on with uh, your aspect to start, possibly? Yeah, so uh, one of the one of my first aspects, um, I'd say, was a, a welcome return to the supernatural. Um, I thought uh, this was a great issue. Um, we haven't seen it too much, you know. Uh, as you mentioned in the recap, there was a whole thing about the Superhero Registration Act, about civil war, about being at more of a um, uh, you know political stance of, of where superheroes are, which is very much a um, kind of a grounded. Um, comic book storytelling so this issue i thought was really cool because it kind of goes back to to moon knight's grassroots which um he began with and and that's kind of fighting a werewolf and um yeah just to see jack russell again he i must say i've got a bit of a soft spot for jack russell he's uh he's pretty cool he's a he's a tragic isn't he he's a tragic figure he he does a tragic fate here as well yeah he does yeah and and like he doesn't you know he can't control it he's kind of like the hulk right so um yeah, you've, you've got to have some sympathy for him, but um, I loved, yeah, I loved the uh, the supernatural aspect of this Connor, and uh, and as we as we see later on, um, it's it's these guys um, using Jack Russell to extract his blood to create a um, a fighting ring of uh, of basically werewolves, um, using homeless people to um, to infect them with the um, the werewolf blood. Uh, yeah, and it was. Um, it's really good. Everything's set at night as well, so it's um, it kind of reminded me, and this is kind of showing my age as well. <laughs> there was one of my uh, favorite shows, actually. I think it was in the late '80s or early '90s. It was actually called, I think it was just called Werewolf or Wolf, um, and it was a TV show. I don't think it lasted more than one season, but it was it was. This reminded me exactly of it. It was um. It was uh, a lot of shadows. It was always at night, and um, this guy was just, you know, he just wanted to live a normal life. But he turned into a werewolf, and you know, he started killing, and it was quite grisly. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was, it was a welcome return to it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on on uh, the supernatural element, Connor? Ah, uh, yeah, it's um, it's really what I want. Like when I think to what's coming with the the Bemis book and the very supernatural setup it has. I think I look to this book and I think, yeah, I love this and I want yeah. this in the, like the run coming. I want one shots like this or expanded into two, three issue 
arcs or whatever, yeah. you know, just, I love, I love this storytelling. It's sort of a, a unique look into the, the world of Moon Knight and yeah. something fun. It's got, it's got the supernatural. It's got sort of shady corporation intrigue, which is always great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm not sure if, uh, I really hope it has, uh, that Bemis's and Burroughs, um, run has these sorts of elements in it, but, I'm not sure if Burroughs's art will will convey the same as Diodato's here. Diodato's is it's 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 very much a nocturnal thing. And look, nothing to take away from Burroughs and and Beamer saying that they want to create this nocturnal look in in the new run. But um, just looking at the previews that Burroughs have um, introduced, which look really cool in the in the preview pages, and then looking at this Diodato's art and especially. The way he, a lot of it's got to do with colours as well, but especially the way he draws Moon Knight and um, always in shadow, uh, it's yeah, it's just really good. I think it is absolutely menacing. Just to put it <laughs> simply, like when I think of <clears throat> the specific use of the costume, and you're right, the shadows and this issue really has Moon Knight getting the better of a basically every goon in this issue. You know, it's. Brutal! It's menacing! It's terrifying! Yeah, he's um, yeah, it's it's a real a real treat to see Diodato draw Moon Knight. Um, how about one of your aspects, Connor? Um, I think I shall begin uh with uh how much I love this being a detective's tale. So you would have heard there, and uh, one of Ray's future uh, aspects about you know how wonderfully graphically violent this issue is. <laughs> But that really comes um, in in the second half of the this issue, and really that first half is this really great uh, detectives issue. You know, it has um, it has great cal- uh, characterization of Flint yes. and his sort of classic, you know, mentality of the Force and how he how he relies on Moon Knight. I think it it shows really well Moon Knight's own informants in the world. It shows him using. Jake Lockley to get information, using yes, Stephen Grant true. to get in. We got Gina's diner, yeah, which Flint yeah. uses to get Moon Knight's attention. You, you even have that really cool um, crime scene that Flint comes across. You know, yeah, and uh, you know the broken window, the bro- the that looked like an abandoned apartment or wherever it is. But it's just so gruesome, isn't it? But it's definitely a detective thing. And he's even um, he. Uh, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, and uh, you're right about the crime scene. Yeah, I totally sort of even forgot to mention that. The great narration he has over it is he, you know, the police force seems to realize that this is the worst kind of killer, a serial killer, and working out that, you know, these aren't, you know, these aren't rats, they're dog bites, and that, you know, now he has to turn to Moon Knight. Yeah, the realization that, um, like, you know, goddamn, this isn't just like, this may not be like a, a terrible serial killer, normal serial killer as it is, but it might be something a little, a little more. Yeah, when the um, autopsy comes in and and um, the uh, what do you call them, Connor? The the mortician? What is she? The uh, she she conducts the autopsy. Uh, anyway, oh. she uh, I just had her mind blank. But yeah, when she says, "Oh yeah," as you say, she said, "Like you know, you've seen rats as big as dogs." Like ever seen any dogs as big as men so it's like ah oh. and i think that's the turning point there that's a twist where we start to go towards the supernatural um element yeah um i also love um marlene really sort of gets the cool spotlight as well in the detective work she she does she uh 
you know, she's carrying she's carrying her own gun around. She's investigating as well. She's getting them into places and yeah, getting the information to find the real bulk uh bulk of the uh bulk of the finds. Exactly, and and she does get her information. Although she does get um some unwanted attention from one guy at the bar, and uh, she she uh, subsequently subdues him with a. Uh, <laughs> strategically placed grab <laughs> at him so um yeah she's great i love marlene she's um she's just you know she takes the initiative she she um she actually gets results uh and she's not afraid she, she always wants to get into the action no matter how much you know mark says no no you stay here you wait for flint um i'm gonna go in as moon knight she's like well you know i can take care of myself and again she's the one that ends up um, helping Mark out or Moon Knight out when he's in a bit of trouble when he's um, fighting Jack Russell she ends up shooting uh, the werewolf although it doesn't kill him but it distracts him long enough um, for Moon Knight to do his thing so um, yeah Marlene's yeah Mark great. would be dead without her in this issue quite exactly frankly. oh how many times would he be dead uh, without yeah. her yeah it's, uh, it's really cool um so yeah, um, and, and I guess that would lead to my other aspect, which was also, as Connor mentioned, the I found the big thing about this was the 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 violence. Of, I can't believe there wasn't a, a like a warning on the front cover of it. You know? Yeah, there seemed like a whole new time where you didn't have to do that or something. It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, because this has definitely got expli- explicit content on it, um, and short of them just um, kind of bleeping out swear words as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you. you have something pretty close to a Max comic, I reckon. There are like dis- mm. dismembered bodies. Um, there's a there's one scene which <laughs> I must say I morbidly was enjoying was uh, <laughs> uh, when Mark punches that uh, Moon Knight punches um, one of the the guys and the guy with the ponytail uh, Connor, and then he gets actually he falls next to the cage and um, and Jack Russell oh, yeah. grabs him. And then the next panel you see down, his head just goes thunk, thunk, thunk. <laughs> um, so he just gets decapitated by this werewolf and, and Moon Knight makes a beeline for the exit. So um, it's just wickedly graphic uh, and it, it just adds to the whole tone, the whole detective noir, the whole nighttime nocturnal aspect of this um, of this issue. And it was just a lot of fun for a one-shot. Yeah, it's... It, it... In, in every way, it's such a dark issue. The setup for why Moon Knight's thinking to the past, you know, the fact that this is a, you know, 1994, so even a younger Jack Russell being forced into a cage and having his blood extracted to mm. be forced, in, uh, forced into kidnapped uh, homeless people for cage fights, and yeah. the, the fact Moon Knight's even morality here, um, you know, he opens up like a cage upon a. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of people, and they just get torn yeah. to shreds, and yeah. I'm guessing the werewolves kill each other as well. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that when I was reading it, going, surely he, he hasn't done that, has he? Like, um, yeah. like he's literally sent those guys to their deaths, and and what a terrible way to die as well. Probably been ripped apart and eaten by those things, so, oh gosh, very, very dark stuff. And I love... Diodato's art here. I think particularly, oh. it's an amazing standout issue, but there are two full-page spreads. Yep. The first one being the first time you see a cage fight between two of the um, two uh, werewolves, and the second being a fight between the fight between uh, Russell and Russell and werewolf form, the werewolf by night, and uh, Moon Knight, 
and they've got these slanted panels going diagonally and they're just full oh, of yes. brutal swings and crazy, you know, this ambient sort of reddish purple yeah. hue over this dark arena they're fighting and it's just fantastic. It's a real real standout of the time, I think. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that, but you're totally right. It's how cool is that? The um the slanted kind of panels. Mm. Um I, I would have picked that my my two favourite panels or two favourite shots of this issue uh was actually just that page before Connor where you see this oh, what is it, ten foot tall um werewolf by night. Um, and oh. Moon Knight's thinking, how do you fight something that's pure instinct? And I think he even says as well, um, Moon Knight early on, he goes, I don't remember Jack Russell being that big, like the werewolf being that big, but Diodato just like, he smashes it out of the park and it is such a fearsome look of the werewolf. Um, the other, the other shot I really love was, um, when Detective Flint, um, catches up with Moon Knight, um, um, by the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, yep, Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and it's just um, Moon Knight there saying, you know, so talk. And he just appears like Flint is smoking yeah. a cigarette, and uh, there's just the lighting from the the headlights and Flint leaning up against the bonnet of the car. But that's just a classic. I, I love that classic pose there. Um, and there's just not even any eyes from Moon Knight. It's just a dark black space under his hood. I thought that was really really imposing. So um, yeah, really enjoyable. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Um, and I love the cape as well. It's the capes, cool. yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really long and flowing here, like really stylistically chosen to be like that. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. And it's so funny because, you know, he's all in white, Moon Knight, but the way that this this whole tone of this issue with the shadows and such, he doesn't come across as white at all. At all. Um, it, it's still very dark for someone that, you know, you're meant to see coming at you. <laughs> he still manages to have a, a very, um, yeah, grim kind of look to him. Yeah. Um, I've only got, like, one note in this issue, Connor. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, there was a pop culture reference I picked up, and uh, I'll have to call out... Um, Loonies, if you're looking at it, it's on page 17. Um, and Dido pays a reference to a, a Mexican actor, I believe, um, Danny Trejo. Uh, and he was from movies such as uh, Predators, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, and Machete, I think the Quentin Tarantino films. Uh, and he's one of the thugs in, um, in the cab um, of Jake Lockley. And he's one of the thugs that Jake Lockley kind of gets some information about Lupine, the um, that nightclub. So uh, yeah, do, do you are you familiar with Danny Trejo? Uh, no, sadly. Oh, you should look him up on IMDb. He's a a very distinct face, um, <laughs> uh, but a very tough looking guy. I don't think he'll ever get a role as a um, as a I don't know. <laughs> as a doctor or a lawyer or something, <laughs> he very much looks like a criminal. But I'm sure he's a very, <laughs> very nice fella. Oh um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I reckon that's I reckon that is who he's pinched um, his uh, face reference for. Yeah. So um, yeah. Apart from that, uh, any any final last um, thoughts on the issue there, Connor? Um. Just give me a, qu- a quick glance through, but no, I think that's re- uh, really it. I, um, I suppose we'll crack onto our crescent dart ratings, huh? Yeah, it comes uh, back definitely. To me, I'll pop in. 
Yeah, no worries. Um, look, uh, as as you mentioned, I think this was it had a really good balance of action. Um, you know, a detective tale. Um, it was just it was grisly. It was dark. It was it had a lot of yeah. For me, it had a lot of edge to it. Um, I would have to give it. I would say um, it would be up there for me because it's a one shot as well. It's nice and tight. Um, I'd say I'd say four and a half crescent darts for this one. Um, it's it's really it really is enjoyable. Like I hadn't read it for a long time, and I read it again, and um, just the art, Diodato's art, just really gets me. And the colours, um, if I can just have a look back at who the colourist was, uh, Joe is it Joe? No, no, Rain Rain Burrito. Really good colouring, um, uh, you know, with the reds and the crimsons. Uh, so yeah, four and a half. I think it was really good. How about yourself? I 100% agree. I think this uh, stands as a fantastic uh, one-shot. Um, you're right. It's just such a great neo-noir story. I love the detective work. It is menacingly violent, crazy gory, stylistically incredible. Moon Knight getting beaten up just looks fantastic, and the werewolves are amazing. Yeah. And in the larger context of the story that was happening around him, I love the introspective of this issue. This mm. was Mark once again at his lowest hiding out in the present, thinking back to the past where he almost became an animal and having to think back to such a violent memory to remind himself that he didn't cross a line like that to become an animal that day and returning to the present. I think that works so well and maybe not so much as a one shot for anyone jumping in, of course, but just, (laughs) yeah, definitely four and a half, four and a half present darts. Yeah, I think totally justified. But hang on, that actually just got me thinking there, kind of what you're saying. Yeah, he was introspective and thinking that never crossing the line. But he released those werewolves at those oh, guys. Yes, <laughs> so, so, uh, a little, a little slip up there, Mr. Mike uh, Benson. Let bygones um, be bygones. But let bygones like be. They, they were terrible. They were really terrible people, Connor. Those guys <laughs> that. So, the only way out was death. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, totally agree. Four and a half. It was, uh, I really loved it. And it's, it's one of those issues that I wouldn't mind reading again and again. And it's, yeah, really, really top stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so any loonies out there on um, on Facebook or um, in the group or in the chat room, let us know your thoughts as well. Uh, I'd be really interested to see what you think of uh, issue 20. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, totally. By all means, if you guys want us to read them out or get us having discussion, just email us, see us on the group page, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it should be great. Um, so we're almost rounding out this, this episode 14, Connor, before we go into, um, into the new run that we've been hankering for for so long now. Like Christmas <laughs> in November. Yeah. Oh man, I just, I can't wait. But, uh, anyway, just for our next, um, segment spectacle, um, I just want to do a couple of shout outs. Um, first off would be, of course, Sparky Malarkey. Um, again, thank you so much, Sparky, for, for jumping in and uh, narrating um, both issues this episode. It was really cool. Um, it was also nice to um, yeah just have a chat with you over on Twitter as well. Um, very much appreciated. Uh, anyway, so you can catch Sparky Malarkey on uh, comics, cosplay, and more. So if you go to YouTube and you just type Sparky and Malarkey, M-U-L, a R K E Y, 
you should come up with um, with her channel. Uh, we'll, we'll add her link to the um, show notes, of course. Um, also, she she's a, a comic book store um, employee, a worker as well, and uh, I wanted to also shout out her comic book store where she works at, and that is Comics to Astonish, and that's based in Columbia, Maryland. So um, for our US contingent of loonies, if you're near there or if you are a local, uh, please stop by and uh, and say hi to Sparky. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure she'll be uh, quite uh, quite happy for that. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, uh, Sparky. I think your channel is absolutely amazing. I'm so yes. happy you uh, came on here for narration. It was incredible. So yes. Yeah, and I think she's coming out. Um, Sparky's coming out with uh, a new video very shortly. I think she was in the middle of editing it, um, but she somehow found some time to um, to narrate us as well. So thank you, thank we you, thank you. That a yeah, definitely. Um, also, I wanted to shout out, and I wanted to shout out to one of our Looney listeners, Tommy, um, from our yeah. Facebook group. He, I think, I would give him the roving reporter of the week or the month. So thank you, Tommy. He he came up with a lot of news, um, and admittedly, a lot of the news tonight was based on his post. So thank you so much, Tommy, and um, we hope to hear from you soon. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, in a time where Ray and I were both busy this week, yeah. Tommy, without fail, was oh, there to post. Yeah. So again, very much appreciated, Tommy. Yeah, we. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Uh, I was a mess, a mindless mess, um, moving. So it was. It was really good. So thank you so much for for keeping the flame lit. Um, and I think that's about it, Connor. Yeah. Another another episode down. Another episode down, and no, I don't have the, like the second half of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say um, we can probably call our next episode uh, "Legacy Episodes." We can probably <laughs> we'll just yeah, jump to fit, uh, what is it? If this is 14. The next one will be 16, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we had an episode, an episode zero. <laughs> um, uh, Connor, where can they find us? Where can you find us? You can email us at moonnightpodcast.gmail.com. We'll read all feedback, whether you're loving or something you want to see on the show. Just email us in. We'd love to hear from you. Our, our website, Into the Night, uh, podcast.wordpress.com. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash itkmoonnight. We have a fantastic group where you can find our intrepid uh, reporter Tommy and plenty of other amazing loonies discussing all day, every day with amazing finds at facebook.com slash groups slash into the night. Our Twitter handle is at itkmoonnight. Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. Just search for Into the Night. And likewise on all good podcast catches. Fantastic. Yep, we are out there um, and we are slowly growing loonies. Um, so yeah, spread the word and uh, yeah, yeah, let's... Um, Let's keep on going. So, uh, yeah, another another one, you know, in the can, Connor. This is pretty cool. Uh, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll be hearing from you, uh, you know, uh, in a few days or a couple of days. Um, yeah, when well, we'll sure be screaming about this new issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, cannot wait to air our views as well, Looney. So, in the meantime, um, yeah, um, get reading with your comics, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Yes, thank you so much as always for joining us and may Conshu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch Bye. you later.
Moonite and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.